Hello, Michael here with a quick disclaimer. The episode that you are about to listen to was originally recorded as a live event, meaning that it was recorded and streamed over our Twitch channel, which is twitch.tv slash the RPG Academy, or broadcast as a live event or recorded as a live event for our YouTube page, which is youtube.com slash the RPG Academy. Hopefully you will understand why the audio quality of this episode is not quite up to the same standards you have come to appreciate and expect from our show. And on the off chance that when you listen to this episode, you don't really notice a difference between this episode and a regular episode, don't say anything, because that will make me cry. Thanks, and enjoy the show. four or five seconds because I don't still don't know exactly how long it takes but by now we should be live so hello and welcome to the RPG Academy podcast I am Michael and tonight I'm here with Michael to just chat a little bit it's I've been on hiatus now from the podcast for seems like a really long time uh still in the hiatus for a little while longer uh we're in a post catacon 2018 world we're in in a pre catacon 2019 world uh, so I just thought I'd jump on tonight, have some free time, uh, I guess a few toys I want to share, and then Michael was nice enough to jump on and keep me company in case no one wants to join chat. Hopefully some people will. So Michael, hello and welcome to the show. Hey, glad to be here. Uh, and I'm excited because I don't know what, what toys you, you have in between now and the last time I saw you. And uh, the reality for me is I get to play these games with you. So yes. this is just a preview for myself. And fairly soon, um, one of the big things is we are currently working on our plans for the faculty retreat. Uh, so for anyone who doesn't know, every year, for this, I think the third year we've done this, uh, in March, we head up to Grand Rapids, Michigan and get in a hotel room and check out and... Uh, Sorry, I got distracted by chat. We, we we get a like a little uh, room in the basement. Uh, we get a really cheap room rate, and we just go up there and play games all weekend. It's usually most of the faculty from the academy, as well as uh, some of our network people, primarily Redemption, because they're all local to that area. Uh, we get a cheap hotel. We play games basically for three days. It's like the greatest thing in the world. Uh, and all the VIPs who were at the last year's Catacon are all invited to join us. Usually we have a couple that actually show up. But it's a really good time, and I really look forward to it. It's, it's something I truly, truly enjoy doing. Uh, it's probably one of my favorite con experiences now because it's so easy. It's so laid back. There's no stress involved other than if you're driving there in the middle of a hurricane, which we did two years ago. Uh, but it's a really good time. So, uh, so, Michael, what have you been up to? I have been recovering. No, I have been uh, trying to get in as many games as I can. Uh, so I got out and, and, you know, we work for that whole time. And just like you said, the, uh, our, our event is a little further off where we travel. Uh, so, uh, I jumped in like two games right away and, and now I am in like too many games a week (laughs) and, uh, loving every minute of it. Nice. So for anyone, I know you've been on and off with the show for a very long time. There's a couple of our very early episodes that you were a part of, but there was also a long stretch where you were mostly a behind-the-scenes man. Uh, but for anyone who isn't familiar with you, let's give us a lowdown. Who is Michael? 
Um, well, uh, I've been gaming since I was 17. Uh, I started on my friend Andy's floor, uh, his dirty floor playing a game. The first game I ever played, I got to play Gargantuan, uh, Red Dragon uh, against the party. So I had to face face my friends and I had no clue what I was doing and they whipped my butt and uh, I was hooked and I've literally been chasing that dragon ever since. Literally that dragon. Literally that dragon. I, I haven't even, I should play a dragon in a game again. Um, <laughs> but um, uh, ever since then, I've just been addicted to the hobby and uh, I have like, you know me, I have like a lot of flowery, lofty ideas about why role-playing games are are fun and good um uh but i'm i'm always happy to do it and i'm happy uh, that it brings people together and uh, that we all get to be creative together so that's why i do what i do nice and then uh, again if anyone wants to go back and listen michael was on our field trip our first field trip into the marvel tsr face rip game he played laser disc yeah you gotta be uh, our real irish careful. <laughs> uh so- or uh, i guess PE coach who threw uh, laser discs, uh, yeah. special ones, commemorative ones, sometimes even signed at, yes. at our Nemesis uh, on that episode, which is still one of my favorite. Um, I It's one of the first I did um, so- sound effects for, and I butchered them. I didn't layer them at all. Like every sound effect is <laughs> like pause, sound effect, resume audio. I hate that, but it still cracks me up every time I listen to it. It makes me laugh so hard. So I really enjoy that. So it looks like we do have a couple people have joined us in chat. Uh, Shane, uh, Mundangerous, you might know him from the Total Party Thrill podcast, has already said hello. But we have a couple other viewers, at least according to my little screen here, it shows me higher numbers. So if anyone else is out there, you feel comfortable and you want to say hello, please jump into chat and say hi. Um, Otherwise, we're just going to keep talking about stuff and it might not be interesting to you. But if you ask us questions, we'll try to answer them as best we can. Um, But I want to start with some of the new toys that I got. Um... So I have a certain personality type. Those who know me love it or hate it, but they, they kind of get to know it. Uh, I'm a bit of a completionist. Uh, I also into organization, which doesn't look like it behind me. Um, but I, I think someone has tapped into exactly who I am and now they've started to market directly to me. Uh, as most people know who listen to the show, I am a huge fan of the Marvel Legendary card game. It's probably one of my favorite games. It's not the most complex. It's not the best mechanical game out there, but I really enjoy it. It's a deck builder. It's superheroes. It hits a lot of buttons for me and it's cooperative. So I really like it. There's another superhero card game that I also play, but I don't play it nearly as much as the DC version. It's not because Marvel versus DC, but the DC version is competitive. So I don't like it as much for that reason right there. Um, and it also only has one resource that you manage versus two. I think Marvel does a little bit better there. But DC is so much easier to get to the table. Like it takes like 40 minutes, it seems like, to get Marvel ready to go. And then after the fact, it's another 40 minutes to, to put it back up. But you can have DC up to, to the table in just like five minutes if you want to. So I love that. But even then, I still don't play it a lot. But I constantly buy the cards. I have almost every card that has come out for the, for the game. I just never play them. Then it's I, like the heaviest thing that we have that we bring to the con. Yes. Uh, well, I'm talking, I don't have to have DC and Marvel. Yes, I literally have every single card. But for DC, I have most of them. And I just saw just a couple days ago on Amazon, bought it. It's already been shipped here. Someone has actually, they sold me just a box. 
It's the deck builder game box. And all it is is a box for you to put your cards in. But it comes with these really nifty dividers that really make it look cool and fun. Uh, of course, all my cards are um, sleeved and they're all color coded and they're all red. I picked red for DC. But it comes with these really cool like hard plastic divider thingies. And they have them broken down by each set. So like uh, Forever Evil is one of the sets that you can buy. And here's where they get me. Because now I can see the sets I don't have. So I have this whole stack here with no cards in the middle. And the completionist in me is like, oh, I can't have that. So I will be going out and buying all the other sets I don't have just so that I will be able to fill this box out. That's how they get you. That's how they get me. They sold me an empty box and have compelled me to buy things to put in it until that box is full. We're just going to find everybody's (laughs) OCD and we're going to give them an empty box. (laughs) I mean, seriously, someone out there was like, okay, no one's going to buy this. And they're like, oh, no, (laughs) there is at least one person that will buy this. So, yeah, uh, they suckered me into buying an empty box so that I will then fill it with stuff. On a scale from like one to Julia Roberts, how much do you love it? I love it a lot. I really do. Um, also because it, it allowed me to get all those cards out of those oversized like um, baseball card boxes that I usually use. Um, so this is a, it's a pretty box. Like I really like, you know, it's got some DC art. I love DC. I love comic books. So if they made one of these for Marvel, one, it would be huge, but I would buy one for Marvel too. Um so yeah, so I spent the uh, I don't I don't know how much I spent. I spent money on a box, and now I'm going to spend money to fill that box up because that's what I do. Do you have any obsessions? Any any games like completionists that you have to have all the cards or all the components? I mean, you're like Arkham Asylum, isn't that your big thing? Yeah, I mean, you you know me like I'm so anti stuff. I have like one set of dice that I've been using for like 30 years since like before I was born, um, but. Uh, myself and my best friend uh, uh, have every single expansion to Eldritch Horror that you can imagine, and we have this giant tackle box that looks like we're the fishing captain of the world, uh, <laughs> with every kit like in its own place by set. It's the most organized thing, maybe in my life, next to work. Uh, yeah, I think if I, I think if I could achieve what I've achieved with Eldritch Horror. I would my the rest of my life would be would be really fine, and we play it all. We play it all the time. Yeah, you, you uh, told me you you leave it up at your house. Which yeah, there's is always a, there, out. There, there is an Eldritch Horror table at at our house uh, that just because the game takes way too long to play, and we play it on hard mode, and uh, we get way too frustrated at it, and then we're like, we just need to leave this. We're coming back. Uh, we we play, had to play Cthulhu eight times on hard mode to beat him. So. That's our that's our big nerd out thing. So if they sold, I've been looking for a box for this. If they sold a box for every single expansion and it was all nice and neat, uh, I'd snatch it up in a second. I'd be surprised at Broken Token because don't they aren't they the ones that do all the aftermarket box organizers? They do, but um, I think when you've officially moved into like having a room of your house needing to be the size of the tackle box. Uh, then they might it might be too much for them. If you if it has to be a full size van with like a fourth row to carry all of the Eldritch Horror stuff that you have, then I think I don't know that they do it. <laughs> nice. Uh, so Shane uh, again Monday just uh, chimed in that he has an X Wing tackle box, which I've never played. It's one of the few games that I've never played. Does any X Wing? I kind of want to, 
but I also don't want to because if I do enjoy it, then again, that's another mortgage I have to take out to buy things. Uh, but I would like to maybe at some point in time play that. I've seen it played on some of the Let's Play videos, and it seems like it would be fun, but I don't know. I don't know for sure. Every time I've seen it played, I'm like, uh, I have to turn away because I'm like, I can't do another obsession. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I've, I've already <laughs> like, got too many. I, I'm going to uh, walk away from this. Uh, so one of the other toys I got, this one for me isn't hugely exciting, but it is. it, it fills a hole, PG-13, that we've had in the uh, Academy Game Library for a while. Carcassonne. Apparently, this is like one of the top games like every game library should have. Uh, it was on Amazon for like half off, maybe even more than half off. So I picked it up. Um, it actually, it's like something I'll probably play with the kids. So, you know, I'm at, it says, uh, it's, seven it's plus. super complex. And uh, I uh, I just played it with uh, my friends Sarah and Caleb uh, last time. And I like the fifth time that I ever played it. And it's a great game. And I won by complete chance. And that apparently doesn't happen very often. Oh. Um, I think I told them that I was just better than them, but I was in uh, luck. It was pure luck. I mean, to the outside observer, skill and luck can look like exactly the same thing, depending on how you play. Yeah, you just got to pass your persuasion check. Absolutely. People think you're geniuses. Absolutely. Or just do a lot of editing like we do on the show. (laughs) Yes. Uh, Now, I had never played, still have technically never played Catan. But that's another thing I heard that is just like, it is like the game that you should have. Uh, I bought it for the game library two years ago. Again, I have never yet actually played it. But then I saw there was a Catan Jr. Uh, so I bought that and I've been playing that with my kids. And surprisingly, they really got it. Like I was a little bit worried that it would be um, too too difficult for them. But they snatched onto it and it's a perfect encapsulation of my children. And are you familiar with the Catan Jr. at all? Um, I played it for like five minutes okay. but i know it's just easy and i know your kids are smart so well and, and but their personality surprised. because so i i've never played actual Catan, so i don't know how it compares but essentially you're trying to get resources the whole wood for sheep thing um and you use it to build either ships or like pirate bases and you have to alternate one or the other and the first one to get all of their pirate bases built when but there's like this random element where rather than buying what you need to build a ship or build a pirate uh, pirate ship or pirate cove or whatever it's called a uh, hideout you can buy it, it's just a like a random tile and all the tiles have random things that you, you give you a free one or give you a bonus one um and john gabriel just kept buying those like like there's, there's a mechanic in the game that whoever has the most of those gets a bonus because it's supposed to go back and forth you know the first one to buy anyone has the most and then the next person buys the one you're tied and then it goes back and forth by the end of the game I think he had like nine or 10 of them. There's only like 15 in the game. That's all he did is he just kept buying them, kept buying them. He didn't care if he win, if he won or not. He just kept buying those. And then Jacob was overly cautious and he would stockpile resources. He had more than enough to buy things and he just wouldn't. So Jacob's overly cautious and John Gabriel's like a gambler. Like he will just, I got to keep that kid away from a casino. He's going to have They're my- like the two aspects of you. Yes, <laughs> pretty much. <laughs> Um, yeah, one is a gambler and the other is like, I'm going to do this one thing really, really well. Yeah. And just dive into it head along. Yeah. Um, so Shane asked the question, I, I don't know if ironically, interestingly, funnily enough, that was the next thing I was going to bring up as I have a copy of the Arts and Arcana book. Uh, I was 
pleasantly surprised that they actually sent me a review copy. I did not have to pay for this. Uh, but it's freaking awesome. I absolutely love this thing. Uh, it is not the sort of book that you read cover to cover, though I actually did. Uh, but it was kind of painful and it took me a long time. But it's the kind of book where you just flip it open to a random page and just sort of like relive your childhood. At least if you're my age and you started playing D&D when I did and grew up through all the different versions. It's just like every single page you open up is like, oh, I'm 12 years old again. Uh, so I think I said on Twitter the other day that this is like the closest to... Um, like a magical tome that I've ever actually had because one, it transported me back into my childhood and two, it increased my intelligence by like plus three because it is just chock full of interesting tidbits. Now uh, it's not a complete guide. There are definitely other guides out there. I think there's one of Dyson men. I think that's the one where it talks a lot more about the actual history and it kind of gets into the really nitty gritty of like when TSR was taken away from Gary Gygax and there was like, there was like a corporate takeover and all kinds of cool behind the scenes, like, you know, knife in the back kind of stuff. This doesn't really talk about that. It mentions it as high level, just like this happened. And it's really, really focused on the art. Uh, I'm going to move the microphone away from my face a little bit so I can flip through some pages. I don't know how terrible it's going to um, affect my audio, but I'm going to try to show off some of the pages here. So actually, I should pretty like one of the first thing it talks about is obviously when, when D&D was created, it had no budget. Everyone was working for free. Uh, they didn't even have enough money to, to you know publish it at first. They had to borrow money to do that. So a lot of the art was just, like people they knew and people who were not trained at all. Like the, the kids that we knew in high school that would just sit and doodle. And like in my, my age, they would make like tanks and airplanes. They, they were just kids literally in high school that were like, I'll draw a dragon. And that's like half the monsters in the monster manual for the first one are just free submissions from random people who kind of like art, no training whatsoever. And you can definitely see how they transcend once they start actually making money. Um, one of the things I did actually really like, I'll see if I can find one, is it shows uh, certain creatures in the Monster Manual, and it shows you each of the different versions from the very first one up to the fifth edition, and you can kind of see how they have uh, evolved. Sorry, I know this is excellent audio radio right now. Uh, yeah, it's very ASMR. Yeah. If you can just slowly turn that page. <laughs> uh, oh come on uh, uh, you know like the first 200 pages are blank for, you, so you, you talk draw. while I look <laughs> um, well um, I, I really want to get some questions from, from chat and okay. see if I can here's the, answer car- some. the cartoon awesome are you trying to go are you going back in time I am. I, I'm, I'm back to being a 12-year-old kid. And It's like, wait, 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 wait. Let me just look. Let me find the best page. Because I'm very frustrated. Well, I'm trying to find a specific page um, to show a specific example of what I'm talking about. So so, uh, so you want to play Hanabi while we wait? Yeah, that'd be, that'd be great. That'd be good. That's like our go-to. I do love Hanabi. Oh man, uh, Josh asked in chat if uh, he has any suggestions for starting a convention. He started um, one 
this year uh, with his friends, and he's looking to expand next year, which I don't know if he knows that is how you started. We started with like 20 people in a basement um, and then 40 people in a basement and then third year go public. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I'll get to that in a second. I, I found one of the pages here again. I'm going to try to show this as best I can. So this is the mind flare uh, through all the various editions. So first up here is literally like just someone said, Hey, it's a, it's a dude in a robe with split pencils. He's looks like he's wearing a mask. Pretty much. And then this was the second version, so the actual Monster Manual edition. Okay. And we go to, I think that's the advanced version there. We've got some color now. Now we added a hat. Yeah. yeah. Then we got third edition. And then we jump over to the splash page. We have fourth, which I think is actually the big, because there was multiple versions in fourth edition, because you have like the different templates. And mm -hmm. fifth edition is the current edition of the Mind Flayer. So they only, yeah. they only have like half a dozen of these. It's not a whole lot, but it's just interesting to see the evolution. And I will say that with other than for a few exceptions, I think the third edition art is the best. Like I'm not into art. Can't tell you why, but just looking at these comparatively, almost across the board, I think the third edition version uh, just appeals to me as a player is a dm just someone that's like oh that's cool looking don't know why but yeah that's kind of interesting it is it is the best and i can tell you why because it's the one that we grew up with see i didn't i grew up with basic and then first edition advanced and then second edition advanced well you're a late bloomer i am. You didn't really grow up till you know third edition came out All right, so i'll do one more and then we'll, we'll move on to something else um so this is the orc so here we go very first orc uh Okay. Yep. Then first edition orc, which is the pig orcs. Oh man. Pig, yep. Uh, then we have second edition, third edition there, the color one, and then we're gonna jump over to fourth edition, and then now fifth edition. Yeah, I'm not. I don't. I'm not liking the fifth edition orc. That kind of looks. I don't know. Weird to me. I, I like, know. I there's a special place in my heart for like terrible games from the '80s. Uh, that that we play and are just everything is wrong with them. Like the orcs look like pig people. Uh, that is just archetypal for all that stuff, and I love it. Apparently, they were all grouped together. So here's the roper. Like that first one, just looks kind of like a tree with wiggly limbs. It's like a sasquatch. Like you know, it's the missing link. And then all the different various versions. And again, this, I think third edition is better. So I'll stop doing show and tell, but I will say I absolutely love this book. Uh, it is expensive. I think full price. I don't even know. It's expensive. But they had it on Amazon a couple days ago, and it may still be there for like half price. I think it was like 22 bucks. That's a steal. Absolutely. If, if you – because I love d and I, I mean, again, I've, I've said it many times. I play a lot of role-playing games, but I just always love D&D. To me, this is a must-have book for someone. If you're around my age, you love D&D as much as I do. It's just, a, again, you open it to a random page and you're just like, oh my God, I'm 12 years old again. Um, so it's very thankful that they sent me a copy so I didn't have to buy one, but I probably would, especially if it's only 22 bucks right now on Amazon. Definitely would pick it up for that. So um, yeah, definitely. And more than likely, this will be a prize next to Catacon. So if you want to wait, you might be able to win it from us uh, next year. All right. So I saw quite a few uh questions flying by so if we can kind of go backwards a little bit and then maybe see uh, what we missed and jump into them oh it's, um, if it's so 17 dollars yeah, buy like three copies 
Yeah. Uh, and then, you know, in five editions, you can have the other one. Yeah, absolutely. Because they're, they're working on sixth edition right now, but no one's known because it's a secret. Oh, yeah, I know. we know because we talk to people. Exactly. We, we, we are on the inside track. Um, we do have the inside track. So I think Josh was mentioning earlier. Yeah, um, running a convention. About running a convention. So easily that could be a several hour conversation. And I think I actually did an interview for a podcast. What was the name of it? I think it was Detention and Dragons. Uh, we talked a lot about it. So there, if you want a little bit more in depth, you can probably go listen to that episode. Uh, the number one headache that we have found is the the, the place, the venue. Uh, the first year we went public is a little out of the way place that I still love in my heart. Uh, but it wasn't conducive to a growing event. But if that's, we weren't worried about growing, it would have been fine. Uh, then we decided to move it to a bigger event, which was a lot more expensive and takes a lot more work to try to justify that cost and get enough people to show up to actually make, you know, break even, uh, which we haven't always done. But find a venue first and, and either go, okay, I know we want to have X people, so we need to find a venue big enough or go out and find a venue that you can afford and says, okay, with this venue, I need at least this many people or I can only have this many people and start there would be my advice. And then you can always build. If you have more people show up than you expected, great. You can always try to grow. If less people show up than you expected, you're limiting your losses by selecting the venue first based off of what you think you're going to get. And Kickstarter worked for us. Uh, we've done Kickstarter every year, different types and coordinations and processes, but it's always worked. And uh, it, it does limit your potential losses as well because you kind of know what you're going to be able to do. You have money in hand to start with. And you're not just hoping that people will buy badges once you go live. Uh, try to leverage people around you that can help and not do it all yourself. Uh, and this year, we are going to be using a, a site called Tabletop.Events, which seems to be a great site that does a lot of work for you. So look into that. But yeah, one, two, three, right, is still like number one, location. Number two, location. Number three, location. Location. Yeah, it's that is the way it goes. Uh, Ravnica. Um, yeah, um, I really like Ravnica. Um, Shane knows I'm a huge fan of Eberron. It's my favorite setting. And this has a lot of Eberron feel to it. Um, I don't know that it replaces Eberron because I mean, Eberron's Eberron. But it's it's sort of like that same type of feel that you've got this me metropolitan atmosphere. There's like pulp action adventure type of games. Um, it's a world that's one entire city, so you, those are the types of adventures that you're going to have, which you know I like, like I like running political type adventures anyway, so it kind of fits into that. Uh, the different factions play very well to give your characters motivations to either do something or, or be against something else. And there's a lot of just you know twists and turns where you might think that you're working for one and then it turns out you're working for another. Because your characters don't have to be affiliated with a particular organization. They can be, but they don't have to be. So you could have characters who are not yet affiliated, who are being manipulated by multiple sides. Uh, you know, you could have adventures where you're trying out to be selected. You know, some sort of like do this, whoever the first first group back wins and they get invited to join this particular type of syndicate or organization or guild. Um, but yeah, I really liked it. I mean, again, it's, it's still something that like... I got a free copy because we did the podcast thing. It's a PDF. I probably will pick up a copy anyways to have. It's something I'm going to piecemeal pick from. I don't know that I would ever run a true Ravnica campaign, 
but I don't even run ever run campaigns, and those are my favorites. So you know that is what it is. Yeah, I I agree. Anything that pushes the game into like a anything more small batch and like nitty gritty, uh, I, those are always the best games. I think because you can a player can really understand and sink their teeth into it, and they have a lot of agency over the world when like things are smaller you know if there's a giant dragon coming you know barreling towards the earth like a meteor well everybody has to deal with it but if you're just trying to get one bill passed so that defenses against the orc populace can be better it's a lot more i don't know the, the every player seems to be able to attach on to it a little easier at least with my nerdy group i say yeah definitely i would say ravnica is something you should pick up um so Shane asked about a, a one to twenty campaign idea. Uh, probably would go with one of either the Law and Order one, which I think is the Azorus um, Guild, or the Orzov, which is my favorite, which is like the criminal. And one or the other is going to rule the city world by the time we get to twenty. Uh, probably the bad guys, if I had, had to guess. <laughs> yeah, just you know, playing to type, right? Yeah. Uh, it was actually when we we got invited to do that podcast event, we were sent a just a, like a one or two sentence, maybe like a full paragraph of each of the breakdowns of which of all the different guilds. And you had to pick your top three of what you would want to represent. And Orzov was absolutely top one. I'm so glad that we got that one because out of all of them, like that, that literally is like that was us before I even finished reading all of them. Uh, so very excited. I, I, I like to think that we were the only ones who really wanted Orzov, which is why we got it. Uh, but yeah, I was very pleased to get that one. Um, so I think that's most of the questions. Uh, so do you have anything, Michael? If not, I got some more toys to share. Uh, no, nothing off the off the top of my head. I mean, I can wax about anything, uh, but I know you you have a lot of toys that. So I'm going to try to be technical here. We're going to see how well this works out because I want the camera to to help me on this next one here. So I'm going to see. If I can bring the other camera up and put us in the background so we won't be on camera for a little while, we'll see how that goes. So let's uh, do that one. We're going to move it up. Nope, didn't work. Uh, move to top. There we go. So I got one of my Kickstarters in today. I don't know, if, Michael, you may not be able to see that. Um, Fireball Island. The, uh, the the game from Restoration Games, which is not actually a remake of the original. It's more like a reimagining. Got it today. I have not actually opened it. So we were going to do sort of like a mini unboxing version here. Uh, so again, the people at home should be able to see this now. Um, so I have taken the cellophane off of it. But other than that, I have not opened the box yet. Again, I'm going to move the microphone away from my face a little bit. Pa apologize for that, but I want to be able to open the box. Did you ever play the original, Michael? Are you familiar with uh, Fireball Island? Um, what is a rotary phone? Exactly. <laughs> hmm. So, yeah, again, just looking at the components here. Uh, I have I have memories of... I think I played the original once. I don't think my, my parents owned it. My, my family isn't a big gaming type of family I, I, I grew up playing rummy and poker and stuff that's how i kind of learned how to count but we never played those types of games or you know like even clue monopoly wasn't a, something that happened in our house a lot 
So again, I don't know how well you can see, but I got uh, looks like a three-part map of the island. Got some cards. Got the uh, the volcano, I guess, Colvar himself, which is uh, where the the marbles will come out when the entire game is put together. Uh, is it true that you could count cards before you could count numbers? Uh, no, but I did learn how to count using cards. It was like one, two, three, full house, four. <laughs> yeah, there was definitely, it was, I think we, we played more like rummy. So I wasn't playing a lot yeah. of poker as a kid, but, you know, trying to figure out, uh, I think we played, I guess we played like blackjack, if I remember, because it was trying to get to 21. But I don't think we played like a poker version. It was just, we would play a game where, getting, well, I guess we played blackjack. We just wasn't any money on the table. But uh, I remember, like, we were trying to get to 21. Yeah, I have no idea how this thing goes together. I'm going to have to... Oh. Hmm. I guess this is where unboxings fail, because I don't know what I'm doing. There's got to be something that goes in the middle now. Yeah. Um, well, again, there's an instruction booklet, and there's a whole bunch of punch-outs. And... Has this got levels? Um... So yeah, I think I'm right. It's, it's just too close together because they do these two spread apart, and then this one goes in the middle. Ah, uh, yeah. So something like that. But I think I actually have it backwards. So maybe, yeah, there we go. All right. Maybe I think the camera's a little bit too close, but. Uh, but we're going to break this out with the kids this weekend. Uh, we got the marbles that you drop down and basically it falls through. And if it hits your little token, it knocks you off the board and you have to start over. And essentially, you move your character around. You're trying to collect treasures uh, or I think even like a specific treasure before your character gets knocked over by one of the marbles that comes rolling down. All right. Well, that was fun. Now let's see if I can fix this back. Uh... Hey, we're back! Look at that. Almost like I oh, knew man. what I was doing, except for probably should have actually unboxed that first. <laughs> probably would have made a better presentation <laughs> if I figured out what I was doing before I just opened the box. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm. Here's the thing. I'm not like I don't care a whole lot about Fireball. I think it's kind of cool. I don't think that's a game that I'm going to play a whole lot. I imagine that basically one or two times and the novelty wore off. My kids may love it. And they may want to play it all the time. But I, I backed the Kickstarter specifically because I thought I was going to get this in before Akatacon. And it was going to be like a prize at the Akatacon for the for the raffle. And I got it today. So like about a week and a half, maybe two weeks uh, past when I thought I was going to get it. And uh, sad to say, not the only Kickstarter that uh, I misjudged the timing. Just a scooch. So it looks like we might have a few other uh, questions that have gone. Eh, not too many. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, so if we could make a Power Rangers type campaign or one shot, what would it be? Because I guarantee you Mike doesn't know what that word means. Uh, I, I know of the Power Rangers. I'm not a fan. I, I missed that. that <gasps> uh, my kids love it. They've watched like every version on Netflix. So I'm like through osmosis. I have some understanding. But no, I don't know enough about it to, to do any sort of 
campaign around it. It would be a comedy campaign, and it would be uh, superheroes uh, that worked that band together against uh, the health food industry, uh, because each one of their powers is associated with a fast food restaurant. Oh, yep. And it would be a total comedy campaign, you know. You know, the opposite of what you should have, like healthy food. So what that does make me think of is I know that one of the games, I think it was Caleb that ran it at a catacomb, was a wushu game that they the players themed around the rangers. And oh, yeah. everybody was a ranger and one person was like a power ranger. One person was like a forest ranger. One person was just a guy who wore like a ranger's jersey. Mm-hmm. Uh, one guy played the rescue rangers from uh, Disney Morning Lineup. That's all I know about that game. And I'm like, damn, I wish I would have played that because I would have dove into some Chippendale Rescue Ranger action. And I think Aim Borla's in here, and I know she was in another game at a catacomb that was a magical girl game where each one of the magical girls had superpowers based upon a uh, American breakfast joint. Oh. Uh, like IHOP, uh, her power was leaping. Uh, and Denny's. <laughs> <laughs> and Waffle House. And like three of them ended up transforming just into men because breakfast joints are named after you know denny's and uh jack in the box stuff like that nice uh so laser potatoes ask what is your favorite tabletop rpg other than D <clears throat> it's 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 powered by the apocalypse it's dungeon world it's better uh sometimes than D and michael just hasn't figured that out yet so it's okay that you're wrong about that um Again, I fully admit D&D is not the best mechanical system, but it's my first love. And I'm going to think that it's beautiful no matter how bad it treats me. Um, not a huge fan of PBTA games, though the one true exception has been Masks. I played that. It was amazing. It was one of the best games I've ever played. It was the first time that, that one of those games lived up to the promise of what it could be. So that definitely, like changed my mind a little bit about that system uh but probably for me would be dread and i mean i think in some ways that's kind of a cheap answer because those are one shots they're they're not a campaign type of play but i absolutely love playing dread it's it's my go-to convention game but uh i don't know beyond that i'm a i'm a fan of shadow the demon lord which is basically dnd light i'm a 13th age which is like a dnd ish sort of game i don't know if people would agree that it's light pretty heavy <laughs> well i mean like it's 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 fewer rules it's a rules light version you know it just it sort of takes some of the dark tropes and, and explores those but it's your old d20 banes and boons that's basically all you need uh to get started mm-hmm. um i the more i play cypher system the more i like it but i, I just I don't know that there's enough there for me to get into it i'm trying like i'm looking at my camera at all the books over my head i'm trying to go through them all um so yeah, I would probably have to say Dread and then Cipher System to, to, if I'm not counting D and D clones like Shadow the Demon Lord and Thirteenth Age. All right. So um, and again, anybody who's if you're keeping up with chat, feel free to answer yourself. It looks like some people are like some of their favorite games. Um, I am also a fan of Cold Steel War. I'm a, I, superheroes is like my my second favorite genre. I started with D&D. My second RPG was the Marvel Face Rip game, which is a terrible system, but I love it so much. So I'm always on the lookout for a good superhero game. And Cold Steel Wardens is a solid superhero game for street-level, gritty, 
Defenders type of games. But yeah. if you're looking for anything higher than that, it doesn't scale very well. Masks really isn't a superhero game because you're not really playing superheroes. You're playing angsty teenagers who just happen to have superheroes or superpowers. So I'm still looking for a solid superhero, save the world type system, and I haven't found it yet. I think you can do it with CSW. It's just, you know, CSW is built for for anybody that doesn't know. It's an Iron Age comic books, which is very um, The Watchmen. It's very film noir, gritty. uh, You're a superhero, but can still get shot by a gun uh, series. And it's one of the, uh, I know people from my group are in this chat. Uh, and I, they know that I'm, I've laid like four books on the table and CSW is, is, uh, is one of them along with Dungeon World, uh, Shadow of the Demon Lord and, uh, and, uh, Wrath and Glory, which is the new 40k, uh, system. So all of those I'm very excited to be, be going for. Um, but, uh, there's a couple other ones that they mentioned out here. Mutants and Masterminds. It's, uh. Uh, I don't know. Have you, have you ever tried that? That's... I, I had a bad experience, though. I think it, it wasn't the system itself. It was other contributing factors, but not the a people. fan. You're such a nice person. Uh, so, yeah, no, I would give that another shot. It's like 3.5 uh, version of, of superheroes. And then uh, what else did they mention? Dungeon Crawl Classics is a great system uh, for anybody that likes classic uh, gaming, like first, second edition uh, and they want tables, and they want magic to be dangerous. One uh, of my all-time favorite Gen Con games was a Dungeon Crawl Classic games, and one of my all-time worst Gen Con games was a Dungeon Crawl Classic game. So I've had an up-and-down relationship with that game, but it can be a lot of fun if you're just mm-hmm. like, this is what we're playing, we all buy in, we know what we're doing, this is just about this experience. I don't think I would enjoy playing it as a, like a campaign. Maybe like a four-session arc. But this isn't a game I'm going to sit down and we're going to play until we save the world or all die because all die is going to happen really quick. Yeah, it's a it's an interesting system, and no game, in my experience, takes more of an exponential scale up in power level than this game, which is like level one. You're a beekeeper with a net and four bees to like level ten when you're like I'm hanging out with gods. And, uh, Shadow you know, of the Demon Lord is close to it because you start at zero it level is. and go up your max yeah. level at 10 mm-hmm. um so josh also asked, also asked what was our white whale rpg game for him it was the burning wheel so do you have like a white whale a game that you just want to play or want to master um i every it's it's shadow run it's so dense and uh the system seems really cool and i've you know we go to gen con and we play like everything and every time i go there's such a it's such a wall to try to get into it because everybody is there uh, playing Shadowrun and everybody loves it and they know a ton about it and it's uh, I I did it with 40k and I got into it and I, I learned everything and I feel like I would have to go through that whole uh, scheme to really get the most out of playing Shadowrun because it's such a dense system. All right, that's mine. Uh, I've said it before. For me, it's actually I'm gonna say it's Fate. Uh, I've used this this particular example before, but no Fate game I've ever played in has lived up to the promise that reading the book of Fate made me. When I read Fate, it, it drastically changed how I viewed role-playing games. I think it's made me a much better DM, but I've never played a Fate game that was even that much fun. And I've played it with people who wrote the game. Still just didn't quite work. Um, and I don't know why exactly, but I would I would love to play a Fate game 
that matches what I feel like a good fate game can be. And it's just never happened so far. I've done, I've had great fate games. I haven't had great fate campaigns. Uh, one of my all time favorite games uh, was, you know, legendary power level. And I was like, I, I'm a firm believer that doing like a legendary power level game is really, really tough. And probably the hardest thing that in like an evil campaign that a GM can do and like make work. Um, and, and this, this guy made it work and we all played famous, uh, characters from history, you know, like the doctor and Indiana Jones. And, uh, I, I played, um, um, Achilles and like you, it was just a really tough thing. And it's a system that lends itself really well to doing very strange things. Nice. A few more people have jumped into chat, so welcome to everyone. If I haven't said hello specifically to you yet, I'm sorry. There's just a lot of names flashing by, which is awesome. We love it when people jump in and say hello. Um, so if, I don't think there's any other outstanding questions specifically, uh, but if there are any, please uh, jump in. So, um, so Michael, what are you looking forward to most at our faculty retreat here in a couple of months? Um. I mean, it's just, uh, it's the community, right? We have such a good group of people and like, I can t say that and people don't really know what I mean, but we have a lot of people that devote a lot of their own time and, uh, to finally like get to be with those people and, and game with those people in a relaxed, like, you know, we're 22 again or something. And, and we finally get to have no responsibility for a day or two and, uh, just game. Uh, and let loose and have a couple drinks and pizza. And that's, that's the best part. Um, that and uh, specifically then doing anything that involves us acting together, like the noisy person card game, because mm -hmm. that's, um, you get a lot of, you know, like a gamer alphas that want to be the best at like <laughs> role playing and you make them, you say one up each other and that it gets out of hand in a good way fast. Nice. Uh, yeah, we, we played, um, noisy person cards last year, like an epic game, which I think we've actually played it every year. Um, I think danger house may have actually taken over for me because of our house rule that you have to use silly voices, but that we played that entire game at this time at a catacon and we beat the game. I don't know that I need to play it again. Uh, but yeah, that was a whole lot of fun. Uh, crazy voices, definitely a good time. Uh, it's Which weird. is a choose-your-own-adventure game. Oh. It's basically choose-your-own-adventure. The, the board, card game. Yeah, the, yeah, the board card game. Uh, so it's actually really fun and I think dredges up a lot of good memories for anybody. That I, I think that. it works best as a party game. That's the way we've always mm -hmm. played it that way. And you just get everyone gets to vote on which options you choose. Uh, definitely um, makes that a lot more fun. And then, again, we have a house rule that you have to read the cards in some strange, weird voice. Uh, some people do amazingly good voices. I do a couple bad ones that are kind of funny, but I definitely lean into that southern accent because that's really about the only thing I got. That's you have two accents. Uh, one is southern, and the rest of them start off as whatever accent you're trying and slowly devolve into Jamaican. Into some into something else. Uh, some do. Yeah. I got the vapors over here. Uh, but that was a lot of fun. I really, really enjoyed that. It's It's kind of funny that I don't know that I've played – an RPG at faculty retreat. Yeah. I think every time I've gone, everything has been board games. Uh, really? I don't think I've ran an RPG and I don't think I've played in any. Um, 
I don't know why. Like I always say I love RPGs, but just there's something about that environment. I kind of feel like devoting your jumping into an RPG, which is probably going to take three to four hours. I feel like I'm going to miss a whole lot because there's not a lot of structure to it. It's basically just all of us in a room with a bunch of games piled up and we just sort of like, you know, pick and choose. And there's a part of me saying like, hey, if we go over this table for four hours, what am I not going to be able to do? But I'm thinking this year might be the might be the exception. I think I want to run something. and I think I want to play something. Yeah. You should you should do it and and it's the place to do it. There's so you know I, I've been I've done a lot of great games there. I might, mean played it. I might do my uh, murder mystery. See if I get enough people to do like a second version just to tinker with the rules a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's a question I want to get back to. Uh, New York Tater mentioned uh, when am I going to publish Dragonspine? He he was one of the people who had a chance to play it. One of the things I was going to mention tonight, I really want to do a Kickstarter for that. But I know nothing about publishing a module, so I kind of feel like, like I'm pretty sure I could do like a you know like a thousand dollar Kickstarter, and I'm sure I could get a thousand dollars. I think there's enough people in the within the academy that would throw me a couple bucks to get me to that level. But I have no idea how much it would cost to produce it. I have no idea, and I would want to do it well. Like that's you know I would probably end up paying more money than I can afford for good art. I want to do some cartography. I want to do all this cool stuff. So I need to sit down with someone who's done it before. And I have access to those people. I just haven't done it yet and really figure out the finances behind it. Like, if you know, it's probably going to be like 20 pages. I want to have a cool cover art. I want to do this, 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 and this. How much is it going to cost me to produce it? And just put together like a thousand or two thousand uh, dollar Kickstarter because that's going to kind of force me to do it. The, the adventure is written. I've run it a dozen, two dozen times. It's fine the way it is. I just need to figure out a way to write it so that it makes sense to someone else that's reading it. And that's that's the thing I don't know how to do yet. Oh, man. They're asking me to do my my favorite accent. Uh, is that your Russian? Yeah, like those are the go-tos. I don't know. What was my, what's my favorite accent? Um, it's, God, it's probably Carl. Like you do... A, Carl from Aqua Teen Hunger Force, but you have to scream, so I'm not going to do that. Uh, no, French, uh, a French woman, because there's something about a six foot one, two hundred and twenty pound guy doing a, a female French accent. That's that's pretty amazing. Is there? Uh, no, 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 no. Uh, uh, what a uh, uh, uh I do not think that you should be doing this right now. It is about to do on the uh, camera. Uh, and then you just, you scale it up. I can't like do it right now. You just uh, put a lot of effervescence in it. And oh yeah, yeah, Sufia. Uh, Sufia uh And then get really feminine voice. And uh, you know, it makes it makes every one of my friends at the table laugh anytime I have to say anything funny. Nice. We will just leave my Jamaican in my pocket and yeah. move on. You no, I think you need to to like present to people, uh, uh, you know your your amazing talent to devolve every accent into Jamaican. No, I've I, never heard I've never heard somebody start off as a Irish accent, be like "Hello, top of the morning to you," and then it's like, it slowly devolves into yeah. I cannot hold the don't accent. worry, man. Everything going to be alright. <laughs> And I, it always and that it's not even that close to being a good Jamaican. It's worse than that. But yeah, I, I start off. I like the first two or three words I can hear, and I can like generally do okay. And then as soon as I'm off those first couple words, it just devolves quickly into this just sort of glop of 
nothingness. Yeah, I can train you how to do a Jamaican accent. Yeah, I uh, I think I'm just gonna I'm just gonna walk away. I'm I'm okay. I've done I've done what I can. I'm satisfied with my effort. Just don't need to don't need to revisit that. So Mundager says he he struggles to maintain a Boston accent. Pakistan and Havajar. That's about all I got. Um, so let's talk about some Catacon stuff. Um, at at the risk of sounding like a whiny baby. There was a lot of discussion right after Akatacon about the future of the Akatacon and uh, went back and forth. And there was a, a long period where I was pushing hard for us to go back to the lodge, uh, even though it would basically be saying, you know what, throwing up a flag. We're, we're not going to worry about growing. We're just going to make this. Um, basically, we're going to do the faculty retreat in November. That's essentially what it would have been. Uh, I was, I was outvoted. I'm, I'm still a little bitter about it. Uh, but we are going to do a catacon again at the DCC. Uh, but it is literally going to be one more. Maybe if, if this coming year doesn't work, then that's probably going to be it for what it looks like now. Uh, and the, one of the main reasons is there's been like a perfect storm Every single year that we've done a catacon at the DCC, we have been on the same weekend as at least one, if not multiple other conventions, most of them local. By happenstance, I don't know exactly what happened. None of those conventions are on that same weekend again. So we're not on the same weekend as Con on the Cob. We're not on the same weekend as Game Hole. And we're not on the same weekend as UConn. So if we keep the same weekend, we should be able to get in some of the guests that we have lost to some of these other cons. We shouldn't have any issue with like conflicting. People have to choose one or the other. So if we can't have a successful con with a lot of people showing up, then clearly we just can't. Like this is like our best chance of bringing in as many people as we can. So this is our one more time. We're going to enter the race. We're going to try to get first place. And if we fall at the starting line and crash and break our nose, we're just going to limp off the field and call it a day. So that's the plan. Uh, so it's going to be next year, Veterans Day weekend again, November 8th, 9th, and 10th at the DCC. There will be a Kickstarter early next year for badges. Uh, this year, the badges will be everything again. We're not going to just do VIP. It's going to be all badge types are once again going to be uh, available through the Kickstarter. And then we'll just start selling them regularly after that through this tabletop event site that we're going to use. Um, but we have a really high goal, the highest goal we've had yet. Because I've we've worked out the budget, and we're basically what we're trying to raise for the Kickstarter will pay for everything, and we're done. So we don't have to worry about losing money again. If we get to that level, anything else we make beyond that's just gravy on top. So our goal is going to be close to fourteen thousand dollars. Not quite there, but really close. Um, if you look at last year, not selling regular badges, just VIP and everything else, we got to a little over eight thousand. If you look at the year before that and you add in all the badges we sold for everything else, it was over six. So really, if everybody who bought a badge the last year buys a badge again, we should get to 14000 It shouldn't be a problem. But uh, those are kind of the things that have to work together. So early next year, Kickstarter, 14000 We make it great. If not, we'll probably be back at the lodge because that's just the way it works. So are we going to officially like name this a catacon? Six boomer bust. Uh, well, it's, it's catacon seven. Seven. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, we're we're still working on. We have a couple things floating around that I'm pretty 
I'm pretty happy with. Uh, yeah. Not yet. We haven't settled on one exactly, but I think we got we got a couple top contenders that I'm pretty excited about. Um, but yeah, there's there's still a lot uh, a lot of little things that have to be worked out. But the big stuff is already planned and organized and ready to go. So, yeah, I don't want to I don't want to throw the names out there too early and pull a Mark Ruffalo and get fired. <laughs> <laughs> Everybody dies. What? Yeah. <laughs> can you can you cut that? <laughs> can you cut that out? Can, can we, that? Conan, come cut on, that off. man. Uh, yeah. That's pretty funny. Um, so I know we already talked a little bit about it when we did our recap episode, but what any big things for you? And I don't talk necessarily about like trying to make it easier on me, but just next year at Catacomb, like what are you looking forward to doing different, different, better, uh, or just something you're looking forward to? Uh, well, I know that uh, there's a lot of people that are are wanting to help uh, around. Even Chadwell in the chat said, "Hey, if you need volunteers, uh, hit hit us up." So uh, hopefully we can we can all pull together. I know it's a great community that we have. So that's I have, last I have year very... was community. That that was the whole that was the whole thing. Uh, so today, actually, I threw into our Discord a a list of everything that I, I do for a catacomb. I, I broke it down. I think there were 50 different items and that's probably not all of them. But it's all the ones I could think of. Uh, some of which I've already done. Some of which just I'm the only one that can do them. And then all the others I'm hoping we can divide up and a few people just take them completely off my plate. So I don't have to worry about them. Uh, but yeah, we always need help at the convention running the desks uh, so that we, the faculty can actually go do other things, take lunches or run games or playing games. So uh, we're going to have another desk schedule like we did last year where people can sign up for shifts and help relieve us at the table, uh, which would, you know, I say just that would be very helpful, if not anything more. Yeah, but always, and as, as the same as every year, the number one thing you can do to help out a Catacon and the RPG Academy is just tell your friends that game, tell your friends that like this sort of thing, tell your friends that aren't into this sort of thing, but you know would be, and uh, drag them uh, to to a catacomb or convince them or persuade them or whatever one die 20 roll plus whatever stat you think will, will get them to come. Yeah. Persuasion, uh, and, yeah. intimidation, strength yeah. check, grappling, whatever you need. Deception, there's yeah. free cake every <laughs> hour on the hour. Well, there was free cake last year because I bought a cake for our murder mystery game. We had We had real cake. At the birthday party, and real, yeah, and real cake every hour, um, but just get them to come, and and the reality is they'll they'll have a great time. I've never had anybody that was on the fence about coming that came that didn't have a great time. So that's that's how you can help it out the most. Well, Sarah says all of her friends already come to a catacomb, so clearly the answer is Sarah. You need to make new friends, more create more friends, <laughs> create more friends, then bring them to a catacomb. Yes. Perfect. That's exactly what we need. Yeah. Uh, but the big thing, really, the big thing is buy your badge during the Kickstarter. Don't wait, um, so that we can make sure that we get to our level. So, yeah. All right then. So I'm out of toys. Um, is there anything else we want to chat about? I think we're getting close. To, actually, we're at an hour, but we've got a pretty active chat. So if anybody on the chat wants to throw out some more questions or topics, we will try to keep going as best we can. But I think I'm. Pretty well spent. Yeah, now's your chance to ask anything terrible that you know we're gonna get really. No, but we will. To. I will not do any other accents other than my terrible southern. Can we get like a? Can we get like a, your favorite phrase on 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 your southern accent? Um, I mean, the, the, I do declare I got the vapors over here. <laughs> Gets me every time. <laughs> Like, I've heard it 
I've know. heard the vapors come out of your mouth more times than yeah. It's like my go-to. It's pretty much it. Uh, so someone says, "What? Who? Which Michael is the superior Michael?" Uh, it depends on what game we're playing. What I'm getting it depends on the criteria. If we're going beard, no contest. Yeah. This uh, is no shave November. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely shaved already. Um, if it's running a podcast, I think I got that one. Yeah, yeah. If it's Hanabi, it's it, we we pass it back and forth. Yeah, I think yeah. we're on the same team. We are combined into one Michael against all other. Yeah, oncomers. Yeah, if there's ever a debate about which Michael is the best, and we can't decide, we just form into one Voltron mm-hmm. style. Works for me. Dibs on the legs. <laughs> <laughs> um, Unisystem. I have not tried Unisystem. I know it's one of those GURPS, those general base systems. I played like, I have like a nerd goal of like playing every system. And that's one that I haven't. I've heard that it's a lot of, very similar to a lot of things that I've played, um, but I do. It is on the it is on the board to to try. All right. So Sarah asked, uh, running a game where a bunch of inbred hillbillies save their son slash nephew from a bunch of goblins. What do the goblins do next session? Um. I think they 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 hold a an election to see which who's going to be the leader of the next goblin war and you all play candidates in that in that in that political race. Uh I'm thinking banjo competition. I mean yeah. dueling banjos the RPG. How yeah, I want to I I want to see just it's a uh, it's it's mouth uh music. The RPG. Yep. It's the thing where you, you throw a banjo in the air, whoever catches it has to play it, and then you just go from there. Perfect. Uh, is a hot dog a sandwich? This is cool. I think if you slice, if you cut the hot dog in half, then it is. And I, if you eat it the way that a hot dog is supposed to be eaten, you know, up is open, it is, it is not. But if you turn that sucker sideways, it is sure as heck. Uh, sandwich. So, so it's a matter of perception. If, yeah, which perception is reality. Come okay. on. So, if you're facing it one way, no. Another way, yes. But, yeah. in, but in a totality sense, the the hot dog hasn't changed. Just look. I don't. I don't want to get too deep into the observer observed effect. But it's that you turn that thing sideways, it's a sandwich. But who uh, would turn it sideways? All the stuff would fall off. Like that. That's a terrible idea. It is a terrible idea, but you can stack it differently. It's you know. So what if you took, what if you took a hot dog bun, hot dog on it, toppings, another hot dog bun, V down inside there, like like clamshell together, and then you could turn it sideways and eat like a burrito. Does yeah, it, you know what you call that burrito? person? My friend, because they're bold, and I need to meet this person <laughs> that, <laughs> that is willing to do that. Uh, or if you cut it. But I think standard hot dog for formality, it's its, it's, its own entity. <laughs> All right, clamshell burrito is a crime against humanity. Well, sir, I am a criminal. Yeah. Why don't you just arrest me right now, then? <laughs> clamshell hot dog. I see. Like, I love, I love doing chat because then I just have a bunch of ideas for my campaign. Yeah. Because now I have a character that eats everything sideways, 
well, I was thinking like a hot dog eating competition is is like the sort of like the MacGuffin. It's like that's what's happening, and the players yeah. have to be involved. Like you know, is there like somebody cheating? Do they have to make sure their one side or the other doesn't get cheated or wins. So it's like a, it's like a gladiator gladiatorial campaign where you're trying to make sure that your person wins, except it's an eating contest. Mm-hmm. I'd be all about that. I want to run a goblin campaign now. I want to. It's going to be called the Goblin Campaign Campaign. The Goblin Campaign Campaign, and I could do a goblin accent. That's Jamaican. <laughs> <laughs> what is this? Don't worry, man. We're taking it to Like I don't even know how you combine those two. I think that was gnomish and and Jamaican. Uh, so we got a, re- a request for your twelve-year-old pu- prepubescent boy druid voice. Yeah, I'm playing. I'm playing a druid boy because I saw it in Merlin, uh, the anime, the, te- the actual like BBC television show, and I was like, I want to be druid boy, and I don't have that online yet. I need to figure it out. These some of these people know me. I do accents and like little voice acting and stuff, and I always try to throw something in. I don't know yet. I I my I'm a solid low baritone bass and i'm gonna scaling my voice up is always tough uh so we're gonna find out how how voice cracky i can get my voice hasn't cracked um i don't know since i was like six so we're (laughs) we're gonna find out well i mean while we got here you are on another twitch show you do a live play with jared and some of the other folks so throw that out there let people know where they can find you um so that uh that just ended but we were doing a live play of a vampire uh the forsaken yeah the new one um uh that's on wednesdays at the other jared uh at you know at twitch um and then i'm sure we'll have something something else pop up there soon uh and it was really good because we got a bona fide swedish person to run our game for us in yuan uh so that was that was nice because I don't know, somehow it's he does it better than ever. I can. <laughs> and for anyone, you know, who's interested, I, I believe that game stretches into more of an adult content, not necessarily yeah. like dirty, but just adult themes more so than we generally get here on the Academy. So just be aware, it's more of an NSFW than a regular Academy show. Yeah, and it's me and Jared. So, you know, it's always going to be going to be a little crazy. Yep. Uh, have have you ever played a sentient object, or have you ever had a player that did that? No, but we were just talking about this, and and Aaron's in there too. I have a dream of playing a sentient rock, uh, pet rock for somebody, and I'm somebody's familiar, but nobody knows that it is. So it's you know I attack the goblin, all right? I shoot fireball at the goblin. And then you go to the sentient rock and you're just have it. It's just all internal monologue and it's really weird. And it's just, all right, well, I guess I'm going to scream for the next day. Uh, Cause you have nothing. Um, Aaron, Aaron wants to play a sentient trench coat, perhaps that I'm wearing. Um, I think that's a great idea for a character. We, we play. had that in our wushu game. Did you? Yeah. There was a dinosaur wearing a trench coat, but we determined that the trench coat was actually sentient and the, and was controlling the dinosaur, but the trench coat was actually the character. Perfect. I love it. Yeah, that was a, that was a wild game. So back in my yonder days when I was a terrible DM and I tried to just basically railroad everyone into doing everything I wanted, um, I played in a game where I had a DM PC because that's always a good idea. 
And I had in my head this vision that my character was going to be killed with a magic sword, but then the soul of my character would be absorbed and it would become a sentient sword. I basically made it happen, just forced it to be there, and then they didn't care and they didn't take the sword with them because they didn't they didn't want to deal with me anymore. So, yeah, don't play the NPC if you want people to care about your character because no one does because they hate those. I want I want your craziest character concept, and I'm gonna give you ours. Uh, I think I'm gonna I'm gonna just gonna steal this. This is from from Aim Borla uh, out there. Uh, she's in our our regular campaign because uh, GURPS and like like Unisystem is an open system. You can build whatever you want, and we were just gonna start with like a human character, which is like the base way you start with the game, and we were gonna reduce slash increase that character using all of the mechanics of the system uh, to just being a nine millimeter handgun <laughs> <laughs> so you take a base human you're like all right no brain mechanical uh can't move and you just give it a bunch of penalties and penalties and then you just show up at the ta- at a table i have a, like a fantasy of showing up at like a pathfinder game like a, a GURPS system and you just show up and you're like all right i have a minus 2000 point character that i'm just a handgun um i want to play uh so that's that's our craziest uh that's my craziest character you could do like a a a megatron thing where you transform into a handgun and other people fire you see that's too good our party really wants you know really just mediocre stuff we get a kick out of it i don't know why i can't think of any truly crazy character concepts kind of boring which I, i run most of the time so i very i don't get to play that often yeah, you just get, you're used to giving people the platform to do weird stuff. Yeah. Like, I want to play Scooby-Doo, but I want somebody to have died. <laughs> <laughs> I want Scooby to have died. I want Scooby to have died. And then that's your Scooby-Doo Dread game. My, well, it's a LARP, really. With it is a LARP. With tower kind of involved in some way. It's a LARP for you. You can't stop moving the whole time. You're so excited. Anytime there's a Jenga tower in the room. Yeah, I pretty much weaseled a Jenga tower into the murder mystery game. I don't think it was necessary. Like I, I tried to make it basically the Scooby-Doo game, but I think it would have worked better without it. So the, the next time we do it, it probably won't be involved. Anytime you can, you can bring a Jenga tower into the room. I mean, it just makes things better. Yeah. You should figure out taters, right? You should figure out how to get scrappy do into work him into your, no. Scooby-Doo Dread game. Uh, Scooby-Doo doesn't exist in my world. I, That's I, how much he hates them. Pretty much, it's like the Star Wars prequels. They just don't exist. I don't dislike them. They aren't there. There's nothing to. Oh, like Yaffy do. Yeah, yeah. I forgot the other one. Nope. They just they don't exist. Uh, Scrappy yeah. is the shemp of the Three Stooges, and that also does not register. So it's like <laughs> like that doesn't look like anything to me. It's like a Westworld thing. Just don't see it. Blasphemous, Scrappy. Um, well, anything else that you want to throw out there into the, into the Twitch first? Um, I don't think so. Um, probably we might get like one more of these shows in before Christmas, but I'm not sure. If, I know the, um, Tom is still doing Dragon Heist every other Wednesday. Uh, if you haven't already checked that out, please do. Uh, I think he's doing a great job. It seems like it's a very fun campaign and, uh, it's continuing to grow on the YouTube page. Uh, but probably after Christmas, basically after the new year, going to try to get back on a semi-regular schedule. 
I'm still not sure what a catacons or excuse me, what Academy is going to look like next year. There's a really good chance we will not be a weekly podcast anymore. It might be more irregular, uh, just basically when we have stuff. But uh, but again, we're still trying to figure things out. Don't exactly know for sure. Uh, we have several trials that are in various stages of planning. So there there will definitely be those coming out of a whole bunch of different systems. Um, but I don't exactly know when any of those are going to actually get done and get edited and released or anything like that. And then I have a couple of interviews lined up with people who um, are going to be doing Kickstarter stuff. So I'll have that as well. Uh, so probably the next big thing you can expect for us will be announcements about the very specifics of the Kickstarter for Catacomb when it goes live. And then if I get my head wrapped around what uh, the Dragon Spine module would look like, there's a really good chance we'll be running another Kickstarter at some point in time next year to fund that so see the, these people like detention we just need to get together and and you know have a, a few uh beverages and then just hang out and you know talk about whatever is nerdy sad every, every other week maybe because again the dragon sad. dragon heist is every other week as well so and most it could be every other week uh and probably could swing that but it's probably not gonna happen until again until uh, next year so Alrighty, so one last time we'll throw out to chat. Any last questions, comments, concerns, or anything before we wrap this show up? Uh, while we're waiting for chat to catch up, Michael, let people know where they can uh, find you if they want to chat with you on the interwebs. I am at Varyager1 uh, uh, on the the, the Tweetosphere. Uh, V-E-R-J-A-E-G-E-R-1. Um, you know, message me out there if you want to know anything that's going on with rpg academy i have a lifeline to that guy that runs it i think his name's jeff or something mm-hmm. um steve, I think. steve yeah yeah i think that's it that's it for me cool uh everything i do you can find at the rpg academy one way or the other uh please check out our podcast we have tons of old episodes you don't need any new ones just go listen to all the old ones uh tell your friends about a catacon and uh We'll see you when we see you. Signing off. Signing off. Uh, Awkward wave out. Thanks for listening to the RPG Academy podcast, the flagship program of the RPG Academy network. If you enjoy what we do here, then please check out therpgacademy.com and visit our site partners for additional entertainment and gaming advice. We do this out of love for the hobby and for you, our fans. The podcast and site content will always be free for you to enjoy and utilize. But we do have expenses related to the show. If you'd like to help out in any way, please visit patreon.com slash Academy and check out the rewards we are providing for your monthly pledges. We use all funds that come in to improve the show and give you better content and quality. And if you don't have the coin to spend, don't worry. You can still help us out in many ways. You can subscribe to our show on iTunes and or Stitcher Radio. You can leave us a five-star review. Also, if you clear your cookies and you visit Amazon or the DriveThruRPG site through our portal, we get a small percentage of what you pay, and it doesn't cost you anything extra. Just like any RPG, our site works best with open lines of communication. We love talking with our listeners about everything. 
please contact us with any questions, concerns, and comments that you have. We also love to hear feedback and experiences from your own games. You can email us via podcast at therpgacademy.com and reach us on social media such as Facebook and Google Plus at the RPG Academy. But Twitter is usually the fastest way to reach us. You can find my favorite co-host, the Caleb G, at the Caleb G. And you can find my favorite co-host, Michael, at the RPG Academy. Thanks for listening. And as always, if you're having fun, you're doing it right.